Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the internet. So grab a cocktail, it's always happy hour somewhere, and enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Well, howdy, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show. It is Friday. We made it. June 19th, 2020. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Hope you guys are all having a fantastic weekend looking ahead and got through the week okay. It is Juneteenth, which is being marked everywhere in the country right now, Juneteenth is actually the day there was the final emancipation of the slaves in Texas. Um, so it's it's a big holiday for our black brothers and sisters, and it's really never been spoken about. But now we have everything going on in the country right now, as it should be, and we're kind of learning a little more about this. So June 19th is a state holiday currently, I believe, in 42 states. And they're working now to get this nationally recognized so we can na- recognize the history of our black brothers and sisters as much as we do the history of everything else. So we're trying to move things along, guys. And I hope you guys are paying attention to what's going on out there. It's very strange times indeed, but it's things that need to be talked about that haven't been talked about in a long time. So we've had a couple of great victories this week for our LGBTQ community. We had um, equality in the workplace become the law of the land from the Supreme Court. We had for every um, immigrant, we had DACA be saved in the Supreme Court. The uh, current administration was trying to kick all of our dreamers out of the country. So that was saved by the Supreme Court. It's been a very highly charged week. It's nice just to get into the weekend here and try to pull ourselves together. We're going to keep the activism going and just uh, hopefully start healing together, which is something we all need. So I'm very excited about that. Thanks for tuning in again. I am very excited. I've told you guys all week long that we have new interns here at the Left of Straight Show. They've been doing an amazing job posting. If you haven't followed them on their social media, please do. They're at Twitter and Instagram, at Left of Radio. That's at L-E-F-T-O-F-S-T-R and the number eight radio. And, of course, I hope you're following me at Left of Straight, just old Left of Straight without the radio, on Twitter and Instagram. On social media, the Left of Straight show has its own page. And you can always give me a follow at Scott Fullerton. I either follow or do a friend request. And I will talk to you on there. 
If you missed last night's show, and why would you? Bad on you. Uh, had a great time. We talked to Brett Shuford yesterday. He is a Broadway actor and part of, uh, with his husband, part of the Broadway Husbands. They do a great uh, vlog and podcast of their own. And Brett also teaches acting and Broadway coaching and life coaching. That was a very interesting interview. And then we had actor Mark Evans on. He's an actor, singer, and dancer from Wales. Been living in the country quite a few years now. And he was all set to star in the new Mrs. Doubtfire musical on Broadway before Broadway went dark with COVID and everything. But we had a really interesting conversation with those two. And then we introduce you to Ramis Ellis, our brand new special correspondent for Foodies. She's going to be having a foodie segment every other Thursday. So we had a great time talking to Ramis yesterday. And tonight, another great episode for you. In just a couple seconds, we're going to have Jason Caceres joining us for our Friday Fitness Minute. He's going to give us some tips to get into the weekend. And then two interviews for you today. We're giving you a musical Monday on Friday. I have Fab the Duo coming on first. They are a great and singing duo that does uh, have their very first EP debuting today. So we're going to play that in just a little bit. And then at the end of the show, we're going to have Justin Mortaliti on. He is also another fantastic actor and singer and songwriter. I've featured his music on the show for a long time. He's actually the husband of Mark Evans I had on yesterday. And he has a brand new song for graduation for all the seniors that have kind of missed out on all their graduation fun times called Graduated. And we're going to premiere that tonight as well. So a strong, big show for us this evening. We're going to take a couple seconds here and play out to a little music break. And when we come back, we're going to have my buddy, Jason Cassandras on the phone, giving us a little fitness minute. So let's start off with a little Matt Stern and Wanderer. You're listening to Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight radio network. We'll be back in just a minute. Ooh, 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 ooh. 
if you reach the sky, then on your way back down. We are back, guys. That again was Matt Stern, up from our friend up in Canada with Wanderer. Guys, I'm always excited. Every other Friday, we have an amazing fitness minute for you to share, uh, alternating off between our good buddy Jake Dean Taylor. And today, we have my buddy Jason Caceres. He's an amazing actor, also, just getting his fitness certification himself. Jason, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Thanks for the introduction. I am so glad to have you back on the show. Everyone is just raves about you every Friday you're on. I'm going to turn it over to you, my friend. What's our Friday Fitness Minute all about today? Awesome. Thank you so much. So today uh, I wanted to shift my focus to nutrition a little bit because it does kind of directly tie into fitness a lot. And I know Jake has gone over a lot of fitness and a few Fridays ago, I went over my um, upper body workout. So I want to talk about nutrition because I was having a conversation with a friend of mine recently who's struggling to maintain her weight during the quarantine, which I'm sure is something a lot of us are struggling with at the moment. I mean, we're all stuck at home. We're turning to fitness tutorials online. We're buying resistance bands. We're wondering when gyms are going to open and now here in California they recently opened but um, you have to book times ahead Um, they only let you in for an hour so how do you make the most of that Um, but nutrition is just as important and uh, I wanted to focus my attention on a common misconception because my friend was talking about this and it's that carbs are bad and they're not and I hear this so often especially in Hollywood California It seems that, like, Mm -hmm. carbs are the common enemy that everybody shares, and we should all stay away from them. But that is the opposite of truth. Um, So my friend mentioned how um, she's trying to stay away from all carbs to help reduce and manage weight gain. But surprisingly, she's having a hard time finding energy to get up and work out. So she's pounding back coffee, taking pre-workouts, all of these supplements that she's finding online, and what. I tried to get her to realize, and what most people don't realize, is that the lack of energy is directly related to carb depletion. So, again, Mm. carbs are not bad. They're actually very essential to our diet. They're they're one of the three macronutrients that are necessary for our body to function, the other two being proteins and fats. And the main purpose of carbs is to give us energy. Uh, So without them, we're kind of stuck. 
Um, and there's, there's three types of carbs. There's sugars, starches, and fibers. So, and that can be further categorized into bad and good carbs. So carbs that come from white bread, white rice, pastries, sodas, processed foods, those are the bad ones. Those are the ones that can make you fat. And if, you're, and if they're consumed in excess, they actually can increase your risk of diseases. Um, so the Dietary Guidelines for Americans, which is the most legit website where you can get all of your nutritional information from, actually recommends that your carbs should make up 45 to 65% of your total calories, which is more than half. You should be eating more than half of your food should be carbs. Um, that's ex especially if you're exercising. Even if you're exercising at home, you're not going to make it through your workout if you're not balancing the right amount of carbohydrates mm -hmm. with your energy expenditure. So that's why I'm constantly, I mean, I'm sure people have seen me out and I'm constantly eating sandwiches and burgers and french fries and potatoes. And they're like wondering how I stay so fit when that's all I eat. It's literally 90% of my diet is cheeseburgers. Um, but the thing is that my workout is ridiculously long. And in order to have that clean source of energy to maintain a lengthy workout, you have to eat carbs. It's not just about luck or metabolism. Um, and I hate when people say, you must be so lucky you have a great metabolism. It's actually science. It's proven that if you track what and how you eat, you'll see results. So, for example, mm -hmm. if you're on a 2,000-calorie diet, your calories from carbs, if you're counting calories, should actually be 900 to 1,300 calories. So a little bit more than half of the calories that you eat, which is roughly 225 to 325 grams of calories. So instead of strictly cutting out carbs, which is what everybody seems to be doing out here, and it's the worst thing you can do because you'll feel great today and tomorrow, and you'll see immediate results. You'll see uh, less bloating. You'll see um, inches lost, but that's not permanent. You'll start noticing a plateau in results and in energy, and it can actually affect your mood as well. So you'll feel groggy, moody, irritable. So instead, what you should do is replace those bad carbs, all, all of those bleached carbs, with fiber-rich fruits and vegetables. Even canned vegetables are a great source of energy and a great source of carbs. Just look for the little label that says no added sugar. Because, again, what we want to avoid is the added sugar, not natural sugar. So, like, whole fruits, vegetables, anything organic. I don't do organic because that's expensive and I'm poor. But fruit juices, dried fruits are great as well. Um, and an added benefit is that because these fruits and vegetables are high in fiber and water, you'll actually feel full longer, which will help with weight management because it'll curb your hunger. So it's like a two-for-one there. And if nice. you're in the mood for bread, like Oprah, go for it. Go, bread is, there's nothing wrong with bread. It's just, it's when it becomes bleached, like bleached bread, white pasta, they've gone through a chemical process that has stripped them of all nutritional benefits. And that's why you gain weight from that. However, if you look for whole grain uh, bread, whole grain pasta, wheat pasta, you're actually gaining a lot of fibers and nutrients that your body needs function to get out of bed. It's not even about having the energy to go through a massive workout. It's just the basic functions that your body needs to go through to breathe, to pump blood, to um, activate different areas, you need carbs for that. So the important thing to keep in mind in my little nutritional rant, and I wish we could have had a word to the whole carbs are bad campaign, is that refined carbs are what's bad. And I will say this till the day I die. 
bread is not bad. It's just refined bread. That's what's been linked to obesity, type 2 diabetes, other coronary heart diseases. Um, and other sources of carbs are low-fat dairy, which is also a great source of protein and fats, which are the other two micro, macronutrients. So it's, kind of, it's a whole meal. Beans, lentils, they're also great sources of carbs, protein, and fats, and they're healthy. So I just, I went on the same rant with her two, like, two, three <laughs> times in the past week, trying to get through to her. It's not, stop it. This is why you don't have energy to work out. And you're compensating with cups and cups of coffee, which is actually so bad for you to try to get the energy to just make it through your day. Have a slice of whole wheat bread. Put some, put some butter on it. Put some, it's not, it's the type of carbs and the amount of carbs you intake is what people are correlating with weight gain. So that was my, um, that was my health rant for today. I just want this notion of carbs are bad to go away and whoever started it needs to go back to school. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us, Jason, because I think it is a big misconception out there because I really didn't know, didn't know some of that. I knew um, that you couldn't have the bad carbs. I knew about the bad carbs. I didn't really pay attention to the good carbs. That's interesting things. And I love me some whole wheat bread. Yummy stuff. Um, I, it's all I eat. I will literally have whole wheat bread, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I just, what goes on it is what changes. Like avocado toast in the morning with a, a burger on whole wheat buns for lunch and then a little whole wheat biscuit with a steak for dinner. And it's, you're supplementing these proteins with carbs because if, if you cut out all carbs and it becomes an all-protein diet, your stomach and your, for lack of, a better phrase here, your bowel movements are not going to be very happy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We don't want that to happen. That would be bad. Well, Jason Caceres, you know, I love having you on every other week. Thanks so much. Let my listeners know where they can follow you for more fitness. And of course, to find out what you're doing acting wise, because you've been doing some amazing things, killing it, getting ready for the seasons to start back up again. So where can we find you? So I'm Jason S. Caceres across all social media platforms. Um, And I am actually working on a movie coming up next, uh, this July, actually, called Waking Up Dead with a few of your good friends. So thanks for the shout out on that. There you go. I love seeing me little Jason Caceres on the big screen. Thank you so much for that. Guys, we are going to uh, play here. I did a great pre-tape interview the other day. Uh, with Fab the Duo. They're Greg and Brendan out of New York City. They have a brand new EP released today, and it's uh, they're just a great group of guys. So we're going to play one of their songs and do their interview, and I'll be back in between. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. Me up on the phone, calling me 
by my next guest. The song was featured exclusively for Billboard Pride and has been viewed over 50,000 times before even being released on its first EP. What started out as a Tinder date has blossomed to become not only a couple in love, but one making beautiful music together, both personally and professionally. They have a new single EP of the same name that drops today. It also features, as I said, No Prince Charming and three other tracks. I'm excited to welcome for the very first time to Left a Straight Show. So please welcome Fab the Duo, Greg Griskell and Brendan Pryle. Guys, how you doing today? We're doing We're great. great. Thank you. How are you? I am good. I'm excited to have you on. It's big release day. Happy Friday to you both. Are you excited? Thank you. Thank We're you. so excited. This is a dream come true for us. It's so. our first EP ever, and it's been over a year in the making. It's been about exactly a year since our first single came out. So, yeah, this is it, it's, it's huge. It feels like a really big day for us. Yeah. That is awesome. Well, congratulations. And we're going to get into the EP in just a bit. I want to start with how you guys are holding up. I mean, there's got to be a lot of feels going on right now. You're releasing this new EP today. You've been living through lockdown, the first pandemic of our lifetime. Plus, you're a biracial couple living through all the civil unrest that's going on right now. Are you guys doing good? Yeah, we're doing as good as anyone else can. Um, but, like, yeah, I mean, we're staying safe, we're staying healthy, um, and we released our EP. So, I mean, we're doing pretty well, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 2020 has definitely been a super weird time, I think, for everyone. Mm-hmm. But we're in it together, and I don't know, I, it feels good to keep on releasing music during this time. I feel like now more Yo. than ever, it's important to have art and music, um, especially queer art and music mm-hmm. so yeah i'm glad we're doing what we do <laughs> well said here here to that well since it's on your first time on the show let's start with a little background greg we'll start with you first tell me about okay. where you were born and grew up and what kind of a kid were you 
Um, okay. Um, so I was born in Wisconsin, and then I moved down to um, Texas, uh, all over Texas. Um, I'm actually um, adopted, so my family moved up with me and my sister down to Texas. And uh, I grew up in the country. I had 60 acres and farm and all the animals you could possibly imagine. And um, I was a very loud, obnoxious, kind of in-your-face kid. And quite honestly, nothing has changed. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That is awesome. And Brendan, talk about your growing up. Where did you grow up and what kind of a kid were you? Yeah, so I grew up um, with my family in the middle of nowhere as well, in Bennington, Vermont. So we lived in this, like, big ski lodge, basically, with 12 acres, got a lot of nature. Um, For college, I actually went to Oberlin in northeast Ohio, so I know that area pretty well. And, you know, got I was always into music and also into politics and political activism. I'm a Bernie bro. I've worked for Bernie before, and I'm really interested. I actually did my thesis about how music can have political consequences and spark political movements. So being in Fab the Duo, that kind of brings together both worlds of mine. I bet. I love that. Oberlin is a nice, good, progressive liberal college. I like that. I'm in uh, Akron, Youngstown area, so I know it well. Very, very cool. Well, we are in the middle of Pride Month of this going on, which is fantastic for your release. Let's talk about each of your coming out stories. Brendan, I'm not really concerned as much about how you came out, but talk about when did you first come out to yourself and when did you first find your LGBTQ tribe? You know, it actually took me a while. In high school, I dated women. I thought I was straight for a really long time. I also kind of thought I had to be straight just from what I saw in the media and everything. It's not that anyone Mm. I grew up with were homophobic or anything. It was just, it definitely took me a long time to become comfortable with myself. So it wasn't until I was about 20 that I came out and I was super lucky. I didn't lose any relationships. Both my parents were totally on board. I, everyone, it was super happy for me. And it kind of made me realize like, why was I waiting that long? I could have, you know, I think right. I was so worried about what other people thought. And then when I actually came out, no one cared. I know not everyone has that experience, but it definitely felt so good to just come out and to find a community. And yeah, I'm definitely very happy I'm out and proud now. Very cool. And where did you find your community? Was it through politics or just going out about in town, college life, music? Where did you kind of really come across your LGBTQ uh, family? All of the above. I think especially art and music in high school. I was in chorus and theater. And I feel like those communities were always a little bit more accepting of LGBT people, all the theater geeks and band geeks and artists. Like, that's kind of where a lot of queer people found their home. So definitely arts and music is, like, where I found, you know, my community. And in New York, where we are, in Brooklyn, there's so many amazing queer artists that we know and collaborate with. So... Just, I love that. That's amazing. And Greg, when did you come out to yourself and when did you first find your tribe? Yeah, so for me, it was a little bit more, it was different because I was in Texas. So for me, um, I didn't have the luxury of being able to be in the closet during school. Um, I was just very Mm -hmm. loud, obnoxious, and gay, and just, uh, yeah, and everyone seemed, I felt like everyone knew it before I did. 
Um, and I always <laughs> knew I was different. Um, I had crushes on guys my whole life, but, like, didn't want to ever, like, you know, admit it to myself. And then I remember in freshman year, I realized, oh, wait, maybe they're they're right. But, of course, I was stubborn, and I didn't want to, like, admit it. So I just decided because um, I was in Texas, and everyone's just, Oh, it's terrible there. So, like, I decided that I was going to just stay in the closet for until um, until I graduated high school, but I would still be out to myself. So I would say freshman year was really the year where I was like, I am gay. I'm going to try to accept it. Um, and then literally I kept that thing where I was just like, I'm not going to come out. I'm not going to confirm or deny until I graduate, and literally the day after I graduated on Facebook, I came out, I, everything was out and proud, and uh, yeah, it's been like that ever since, and it was like no surprise to anyone, of course. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like it. Very, very cool. Well, I want to talk about this meeting here. Brendan, you guys met on Twitter, or excuse me, Tinder. Who swiped right first? So there's actually a funny story about this. Um, so, of course, I figured this out later because Brendan told me, but um, he actually accidentally swiped right, but I swiped right first. Greg reached uh-huh. out to I know, juicy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, both of our Tinder profiles had pictures of us performing, and at the time I was actually looking for – I thought it would be a fun idea to start a queer boy band because – I don't know. Boy bands are so queer anyway, but like there's not actually been a boy band at least that I know of that's like just out and proud queer. So that was kind of like I literally had on my Tinder profile looking to start a queer boy band. Um, so when we met, we started talking. Greg immediately listened to my music that I had up mm-hmm. like after like five minutes of talking. Because um, if I know I like someone, I, 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 I go after it. It's true. And even, <laughs> you know, on our first few dates, we'd go to like we went to Don't Tell Mamas in New York City and a, both performed open mics and Greg was like the only audience member for one of my like acoustic shows after we'd like <laughs> barely known each other. So we kind of That's like awesome. definitely bonded over music and performing from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, and also a fun, fun fact about that is I was also doing musical theater. That's what I was doing before we, I was doing fab and um, I was currently doing um, Shrek the musical and I was playing donkey in New Jersey, and so at the time of meeting, he was like, oh my gosh, are you, you I see you're in Shrek the Musical, and I was like, yeah, I played the best ass in all of New Jersey, um, <laughs> and so that locked him in, yeah. of course. Great pickup line. Done. Yeah. <laughs> I love but, uh, that. That yeah. is freaking awesome. Very, very cool. Well, we are lucky that you guys met and found each other, both for your guys' personal lives and for us to listen to this amazing music you guys are creating. Let's talk about your sound a bit. You guys describe yourselves as kind of a gay pop rock duo that delivers an open-minded message challenging the status quo of today's cultural scene through carefully Mm -hmm. crafted, crafted combination of rock, pop, blues, and Broadway elements. I think it sums it up great, but talk about how you guys feel your sound developed together. I think definitely, I mean, we come from such different backgrounds. That is definitely a mix of both of our styles of music. Greg has always had a Broadway musical theater element. And I think in our shows, especially, we really bring out that showmanship. I kind of came from the singer-songwriter rock 
realm, and our voices, too, are so different. Greg has this very low baritone. I have a higher tenor voice. And I think it's definitely been hard to assign one genre to us because I feel like we're not just one genre. I feel like we're a lot of different things. But I feel like we're definitely still in that pop rock world. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and I think you summed it up perfectly. Um, We toyed around with so many different genres, but I feel like, to be honest, like, Fab is very flexible in our sound because at the end of the day, it's all about love for us. And, like, that's kind of what we're selling with our music. That's what we're telling. That's what this whole EP is about. It's all the different types of love. So, like, yeah, I, I, I don't think we're ever going to change the fact that we're going to kind of jump around genre-wise. Oh, I love that. And I like that you say right on your website that Fab is more than a band. It's a movement. And you're right. It's all about the love and everything. I think that's a fantastic way to spread your message out there. What was the very first song you you guys sang together? You're very welcome. Oh, the very first song we sang together. I I mean, I would go off of, wait, what did we sing? Well, we we started, (laughs) started off before we actually did our own music doing a cabaret. Our first show together was called You and Me, But Mostly Me, which was kind of a, we're very competitive, so it kind of poked fun of us being competitive with each other, and we did this cabaret, and we sang the song from Book of Mormon, You and Me, But Mostly Me. Yeah. Um, in terms of first song we wrote, The first song in that show was Janelle Monae's That's Just uh, How You Make Me Feel, or You Make Me Feel, way you make me feel or whatever the way she says it, but that's the title, and so... I would say that would be our first song we ever sang together, but I don't think that's true, but I'm going to say that anyway. It's also so funny. We were we did our cabaret in Austin, where Greg is from, and we happened to stop by this cool thrift shop, and we just found these ridiculous pink boots, and we were like, wouldn't it be funny if we wore it during the show? And we wore it for the first song. Everyone loved it, and after that, we just, every show we did, we started wearing heels. It kind of became a thing that we did. Yeah. Well, we got to talk about that because it's absolutely fantastic. The heels, the neon or the pastel colors, just it's a great look you've created. So that started with a, a, a thrift store find. That's amazing. How cool is that? Yeah, yeah thank you. <laughs> I yeah, love no. it. Uh, yeah, we, we take our fashion very seriously. Um, and, uh, yeah, I I appreciate that comment even more because I'm the one that kind of curates it myself a little bit and puts it all together. So anytime anyone gives a compliment, I'm always like, hey, thank you. <laughs> there you go. Well, no, it is spot on. And especially, we're going to talk about it in a bit, but I Want a Man. That was like the most amazing put-together video ever from the detail, the set design to the costuming. So we'll talk about that in a second. But what was the very first song you guys wrote for each other? American Icon, I would say. Yeah, I think American Icon was like our first, like, writing it as fab. Because I had already written a few songs that once I showed to Greg, found. Actually, but it's that, off the EP, it's American Icon. But the real first song that we ever wrote wrote was Found, which is um, a fun, weird, kind of dark pop song. But anyway, sorry. (laughs) It's okay. Rabbit holes are, in, are welcome here. We can go down a rabbit hole on occasion. Let's talk about um, American Icon, though. You put out a lyric video for it, which I thought was gorgeous. I love the words in it. Um, Queen Bee, put any Regina to shame. I mean, it's just a fun pop song. Talk about creating that song together. Thanks. I think American Icon, and, you know, it doesn't even have to be 
about America. It could be any kind of icon. But um, I think that song is really just about being okay with being yourself. And it's kind of describing this kind of, made, I guess, made-up person. Yeah, I would say it's like our fab mascot, Mr. Athena. It's about how this person is so unafraid to be themselves that everyone just kind of follows in his path. And right. it's just like, Very yeah, cool. being yourself is what makes you iconic. Nice. Well said. I love that. All right, well, let's jump into I Want a Man, because like I said, I would need to know that was an amazing music video. It's from set design to costuming. It just talk about the creation of that. Did you guys put all that together yourselves, or how did that come together? Well, Fab is is a collective effort, um, but we do like to keep our hands on the wheel, um, so to speak. Um, but, yeah, so that all came together very fast, I have to say. So fun fact before we get into that, we actually shot the video the same day we got back from Costa Rica. So, like, we were actually completely jet-lagged that whole day. But uh, thank oh God we goodness. had a makeup team and all that Um and for that one, my sister actually, she's the one I learned everything I know from, and she put all to, all the outfits together. And then we have this amazing videographer, Alex of Black Wolf Imaging, who put everything. He's done every music video for us. Yes, and uh, yeah, and really, what what we were looking for for this video was a to expand the story so i want a man is very much a man loving a man we we knew that as gay men that would just be one side but we wanted to show a different side so i i ended up doing a show with um the couple that's in the video um as menace is the man in the video he is making history on broadway right now in jagged little pills um, as the first trans man to ever be an understudy, um, but also play a lead role on Broadway. But he's also in the upcoming West Side Story. Um, and his actual girlfriend was in the video as well. And she's on Aladdin on Broadway. So they're extremely talented. And we wanted to tell this story about a woman's perspective in the video, about wanting a man. Um, but we also wanted to put our, you know, queer twist on it. Yeah, we wanted the song to be universal because we didn't only think want people to think that only gay men who want men can listen to it. Anyone can listen to it and relate to it. I also just want to give a shout out the location of the video. It's called The Love Shack. It's in Bushwick. It's about five minutes from where we live, and it's this incredible, we honestly barely did anything to it. It looks like that. Yeah. It's just this That's gorgeous space. Oh, it is. It's a great backdrop. I love it. I know you guys worked hard on it yourselves. I saw the making of video. Uh, Brendan, I saw you throwing the rose petals down. I mean, it wasn't, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't done by everybody else. You guys put your uh, put your work in, right? <laughs> Team oh, effort? Yeah, we, we, we definitely. Everything we do from the music video to the social media to the branding to the like PR stuff, we try to be very heavily involved in everything. Yeah, our our saying is this: you is uh, you know, you should do as a creative, you should be doing what you do, and to until someone does it better. I screwed up the words, but you get yeah, the idea. and especially <laughs> because we're one of the first of our kinds as a gay or even a queer couple going into mainstream music. We want to make sure that we're always doing what we want 
there might be a lot of people who might tell us, you know, don't be, try to be more straight acting, try to be this, try to push us more one direction, and we want to really know who we are so we don't lose ourselves the bigger we get. No, that's it. You got to be yourselves. I think authenticity today is what really comes through, especially as we get into this culture where everyone's doing Zooms from home and things like this. The more authentic you are, I think people are loving seeing actors in their makeup, seeing Patti LuPone in her basement with the pinball machine. I mean, authenticity really is ringing through right now. And I think that's important that you guys keep that because that's going to make you stand out even more. And I just think it's important in today's age. So good on you guys for doing that. That's awesome. Thank Thank you. you. Well, let's move into the song that we opened up with, No Prince Charming. I love the story behind it. Uh, I want to talk about it's kind of like a blind invite to get Mariah Lynn to help you guys collab. Talk about how that happened. Yeah. So we, whenever we were writing the song, it was a very big um, moment. And we wanted to like, our dream was to have Lizzo on it. We wanted a female rapper. Um, We were thinking about having a drag queen rapper and that would have been great, but we really just thought a female rapper would do it, the song Justice, especially with two guys on this. It's just like, we wanted feminine energy <laughs> in there. Um, and one day we stumbled across, I think it was on TikTok. It was on TikTok, yeah. Yeah, we stumbled across uh, Mariah Lynn's song, Once Upon a Time Not Long Ago, I Was a Ho. And I was like, I don't know who that is, but she sounds perfect for this song. And um, so we looked her up everywhere. Um, we actually looked her up on Instagram, and there we found a email to like reach out to her and I I remember this moment very well we were sitting in bed and I just looked at Brendan I was like Brendan shall we and he goes yes and so we sent an email with our song and we weren't expecting any response back and then within about 45 minutes we got a response back and within an hour of that she was uh we had a we had her booked for the studio yeah we have to be in the studio the next day so we are just like, can you come and record something tomorrow? And she was like, yeah. So she came. It was wow. crazy. We weren't sure if, like, we were going to write a verse for her or how we were going to do it. She just played the song on repeat a few times, was, like, going through notes on her phone, and then just busted out her whole verse Yeah, in and half was, an hour. It was 30 minutes. And took her two takes, and she sounded so good. And it was really cool because neither of us had ever really done any sort of rap or hip hop mm-hmm. ever. So to have someone who was on Love and Hip Hop who is friends with Cardi B, who's very well respected as a female rapper, to actually be like, I like this song. This is really good. I want to be a part of it. That was really cool. Yeah. Well that yeah, and, is fantastic. And, yeah. No, and then the video so that the funny part about that video is we didn't know we were gonna do it until about two not even two weeks i think it was like a 13 like 12 or 13 days before we actually shot um we were trying to reach out we were trying to do a music video um with mariah lynn but then you know holidays it was right around the christmas time yeah, and I think new we year heard back on christmas eve we heard back on christmas eve but then we didn't confirm until Ju- uh january 4th and that and yeah, so, like, that whole thing happened, and so we literally, no joke, put together that whole video, the outfits, we did everything um, ourselves for that video, and we did that within, like, two weeks or so. Yeah, so. it was a very quick turnaround. Luckily, again, our um, music 
video director, Black Wolf Imaging. They're so good. Every time we do a video with them, pretty much the first cut that they send us is already perfect. We don't, yeah. they don't even have to edit it anymore. So they, That's luckily we amazing. have such a good team behind us, which is really important. And, you know, it didn't take, we didn't get like this good team in one day. It takes a long time to find the people that really work for mm-hmm. Right. I can imagine. No, it's so fantastic. And the empowerment of it is so great. I mean, it speaks to the songwriting. It speaks to the story. I love all the choices. I love even the choice of the outfit we picked her in the end. It even shows even more empowerment, I think. I thought there was a lot of thought that went into it. Uh, Lyrics, I don't need no Prince Charming to save me. I don't need a dragon just to slay. I mean, fantastic. Tell me where this song came from. I think you wrote this, right, Brendan? Oh, Greg wrote this one actually. I actually oh, this okay. is the first this is the first song I actually can say I wrote mostly. And by mostly I mean like ninety eight percent of it. I, 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 you help, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I have to I'm gonna take credit for this because it's like my only song that I actually wrote on the C P. So yeah. Um, <laughs> but like this song was literally I, I I think it's it just came from me and I'm a very I'm a very, very, like, confident person. Like, I, I pride myself on being, like, that person. So, like, this song is kind of my energy, I feel like. It's very, like, in your face and kind of a little, like, you know, half, uh, what's the word? I don't know, crazy, I guess. It's just <laughs> but it's, a sassy, fun song. Yeah. I think that's what people expected, especially from our previous single, I Want a Man, which is much more serious. Um, people kind of wanted this sassy, fun, gay side. I yeah. mean, that's when people say, you say we're gay artists, I think that's what people kind of expect out of us. And I don't want every song to be like that. Yeah. But I think right. people were ready for just a super fun, sassy bop. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. And was it the first time that you ever rapped as well, Greg? Or have you rapped before? Yes, I, I pride myself on being one of the very few who have never rapped in their whole life, but yet wrote myself a rap song. <laughs> so, yeah. And nice. I remember whenever we first started performing this song before we recorded it, I was terrified. I was like, I don't want to let anyone down. I'm, I looked the part, but I have never played this part. Like, and it was just like, I, I, it, it was a fun journey for me because I learned so much. And then to have the validation of, having Mariah Lynn be like, no, that's good. Like, oh my gosh, you, like you, you could have done this all along, blah, blah. And like, then the real test was whenever we performed with her at Stonewall to get, and it was just, it was honestly, I still don't consider myself a rapper. I'm a person who can rap. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did it well there, my friend. And I got to say, like I said, I just think you guys pay whether you're consciously doing it or not, you're really paying attention to the costuming, to the set design, to everything that's going on. And I think there's a lot of subliminal messages that hide in the song and the lyrics just, lyrics just kind of bring that out. So good on you guys both for that. It's pretty amazing. Thank you. Uh, let's, Thank you. You're very welcome. Let's jump into the title track now. I mean, who knew when you wrote this thing in January, it's going to be so prescient here. We have Our Love is Resistance. We're going to play this out at the end, but talk about, you guys had no idea the stuff was coming. Where did this song come to you from? Wow. Um, I actually wrote it a few years ago before I even met Greg. Um, I kind of just wanted to write an anthem about how like love conquers all. But once Greg and I both sang it, it felt so much more powerful. 
And then in terms of the timing, we were actually going to release the whole EP in April, but it was right when coronavirus started going crazy and there was so much that we didn't feel like we could do it justice at that time. And then right. in May, we both decided, you know what, Pride Month, right before Pride, that's the perfect time to do it. We didn't realize that all of these other things, like the Black Lives Matter protests and everything going on would happen. But, you know, we talked a lot about it with our team, and we were like, you know what, this is our job as artists to, to say these things. And we're not distracting from anything that's going on. We actually think this is adding to it. Well, it really is amazing that it just speaks to the times we're in right now. What do you think, what are you expecting to hear from this? I mean, it's just dropping today. I think you guys are going to get such big play all over the place. Do you have any expectations for it? Do you guys try not to think that far out? Or um, what's your thoughts going into this? Honestly, my personal, I'm speaking for me, like, just to have this song out and actually do it justice with the video and then where the world is at only makes it stronger. And my hope is that it goes as far as it's humanly possible um, because I feel like it's a, it's a, it's not an anthem of hate. It's not an anthem of anything other than hope. And I, I hope that people see that respect it and they see that, this little interracial couple, this gay interracial couple is trying to make the world a better place. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you really nailed it in terms of hope. I think this song and what Fab is trying to do is just give people hope. I mean, even just seeing a gay couple doing their thing, I didn't have that when I grew up. Mm-hmm. I didn't see any gay couples, especially not interracial couples right now. And it's not, we're not trying to say we're not aware of it or that, you know, that it, it's not important. We're trying to say that like we can actually come together. And Mm -hmm. I think our video, which was at Stonewall, which we were so lucky to do there, which is like one of the forefronts of the gay rights movement. I think it's also, it's trying to honor how far we've come and honor everyone like Marsha P. Johnson and Mm -hmm. all the people who led us to this point, but also say that we're still, we're still fighting. Stonewall isn't over. Yeah. And uh, just to like, yeah, just to, like, kind of hone in on, like, a little bit of the music video, we actually decided to do it black and white to give it the timeliness because it was, like, these issues still exist. So why would we act like we're still in this same world whenever we're still dealing with the same issues? The state of the world just proved our point. So, yeah. Well, right, and, I mean, I appreciate you guys for sending me a sneak peek of it, and and I noticed that when I saw the black and white, I thought that was a very cool um, technique to use, especially with everything that was going on, because I saw it right in the middle of all this before it was released today. So I thought it was just an excellent excellent storytelling tool. It's got to be just kind of exciting to have this big EP drop, as we talked about earlier. Uh, What are you guys most proud of? for seeing this come to fruition after a year? I mean, I think, first of all, (laughs) because this has taken a year, because so many random things have happened, we didn't expect it to take this long, but because of that, we've grown so much, and you can see it from the first lyric video to I Want a Man. Each song, I think, progresses. I think our message gets clearer, and our look is honed in. You know, when we started this, we didn't really know who we were, what we wanted to say, what we wanted our image to be and our brand. And I feel like we've really honed in on that. So it's been so cool to kind of 
see that development throughout this year. Also, one thing I'm most proud of is that Brendan and I only got stronger through this, and I know a lot of couples can't work together, live together, and be in a business together, and right. we it, it doesn't even phase us. I don't know how it works, but it works. And it's that's, true. So know. many people are like, how can you guys do this? You guys are a couple, and you work together? And, yeah, I mean, we're still here. We were stuck in quarantine for over two months together, and we haven't killed each other. We yeah. still sleep in the same bed. We'll still talk to each other. So, you know, the fact that we were able to do all of this and, you know, we through fab and it hasn't been an easy journey by any means. I think the fact that we're still strong, we still love each mm-hmm. other just proves what our message is. Yeah. I agree. I mean, heck we, ha- we lost Kelly Clarkson. She had a divorce. I was so sad about that. So yeah, I I mean, this, was, this, t- this took a toll on everybody. Right. So oh, yeah. the, the, you're able to get through everything and it's a lot of stress. I mean, you're, you're doing, like I said, you have a lot of baskets up in the air here trying to get singles out, trying to deal with pandemics, trying to deal with mm-hmm. everything else going on. There's a lot going on. So good on you guys for getting through this. That's awesome. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> Talk about now we're going to be doing some, obviously, promotion for it as we can slowly start to get out in the world, um, maybe starting to hit some smaller clubs. What mm-hmm. else do you have in mind while you're hitting the road on this eventually? Are we writing more? Do you have some more ideas for your what's coming next? What do you guys feel in store for you after this? Our hope is that by this time next year, we will have an album. Um, I think we're, we've been writing constantly through quarantine, so that's one thing quarantine has given us is endless amounts of time. And so, yeah, so we are trying to write our debut album, so – yeah, I, we're hoping that eventually we can get out on the road and tour and maybe jump on a show with some other artists, but that will all happen once, you know, the world reopens. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're definitely not st- stopping releasing music, that's for sure. We're going to keep on releasing things, and as soon as any place is open, we're going to start performing live. Um, we were going to have a really big EP show at the cutting room and right. It was postponed, but as soon as we can do that, we are going to be there with our full nine piece band mm-hmm. performing. Um, because I mean, the thing we love the most is still sharing our music live with people, putting on a show. There's no show like a fab show. I wow. like to say we, we actually take pride in that. When you come to a fab show, you will only get what you get at our show. Like, you won't get it anywhere else. And you will leave feeling inspired and, like, fierce, and you'll be you'll be ready to take on the world or your money back. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I was going to mention that because I do see you have horns involved and everything. I didn't realize you had nine pieces behind you, but I love the production and the musicality of it. That, so that sounds like it was a conscious decision that you want to keep going forward. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. I think the main thing to take away with Fab is like we want to we want to be heard in every sense of the word. So like uh, we perform with big instrumentation. We have out and proud outfits. Our songs are very in your face, and then our most intimate songs are very intimate. Yeah, we want people to have a real experience when they're watching us, and we don't want this to just be us playing music for them. We want to tell our story. We want to put on a real show. We want people to really know all the aspects of who we are because, as we said earlier, we're not just a band. We're a couple. We have 
real things to say. We try to be activists. We try to be on the forefront of fashion. A lot of the clothes we wear isn't is gender neutral or different things like that. So we really try to show all aspects of us, if that makes sense. Oh, it does. And you guys do it well. And that's kind of why I'm looking forward to an album from you, because when you look at the music business these days, albums are almost kind of passe because albums are made to tell a story through the tracks. And everyone now is doing streaming one song here, one song there. But your guys' mm-hmm. message lends itself so well to an album. I'm really looking forward to seeing that come together. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we are too. <laughs> <laughs> Well, fantastic, guys. Um, I'm so excited for you. Congratulations on the release today. Let everyone know where they can find your music at and where they can follow you on social media and uh, check out your website. Yeah, so um, you can find any of any and all music on uh, any of the streaming platforms, so Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Anything and everything. Um, Title, Deezer, it kind of goes on and on. All our music videos are on YouTube. You can find it there by just searching Fab the Duo. And all our socials are just at Fab the Duo. So you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Starting to get on the TikTok train. Still working on that. Yeah, still working on that. And our website is just FabTheDuo.com. There you go. I love the logo. I love the high heel logo for it. You got to share with me what a fabbit is. You guys have some great merch with your logo, but I don't understand the fabbit. You got to clue me in here. Okay. So first off, do you know what fab stands for? Well, I've heard a couple of things. What does fab stand okay. for for you? It is actually an acronym. So fab is stands for fierce ass bitches, <laughs> the duo. That's That's what we are so that's where that comes from but Sabbath was taken and inspired by Lizzo's fans that are called lesbians and Sabbath is very close to the other word and so we uh-huh you okay. see you see uh-huh yeah you're a little clever <laughs> there Gregory you're a little clever <laughs> no, there I no, like it try. <laughs> <laughs> well that's awesome I love it I love the logo you guys got to check out the merch it's very cool I want one of the black shirts with the pink fab design on it. it looks amazing. I'm going to pick one of those up. Guys, thank you so much for having us. Thank you, thank you so much it. for having us. Anytime. I'm looking forward to following your career. We'll have to get you out to one of our local pride festivals here that I usually help book for. So we'll, uh, once these things start happening again, we'll have to have you out in person. That'll be amazing. Absolutely. That would be absolutely yeah. incredible. Definitely so want please. to stay in touch. <laughs> All right. Well, stay on the line for me, guys. We are going to – play out with that title track so get ready for our love is resistance by fab the duo you're listening to the left of straight show right here on the left of straight radio network about us they don't care about love they despise us cause we defy their love but we'll persevere and we'll rise above nothing can get in between our lives 
Alrighty, we are back. Wasn't that a great interview? I'm so impressed with those two guys. So excited for them to have their debut EP released today. That is the title track from that. Uh, congratulations to Fab the Duo. So in just a couple seconds here, we're going to have my interview with George, with Justin Mordelini. I talked to him the day before yesterday, so it's another pre-taped interview, but we talked about this brand new song he has coming out. We're going to play at the end of the interview called Graduated for all of the 2020 graduates out there. 
But Justin, I knew him without really knowing him. Uh, he did this song called The Fall that was part of the Gossip Boy series of the guys that I interviewed three years ago. So I've been playing the song for a long time, not knowing who sang it or who wrote it. And I really like the song a lot. So it's actually by my next guest, Justin Mortaliti. So we're going to play a little bit of the fall here in just a second. And when that is done, we're going to be talking to Justin himself. Then I'll be back to wrap things up at the very end. So we have Arnett and Zoe back in the studio taking care of things. Arnett, take it away. Let's listen to The Fall by Justin Mortaliti.
you guys and gals. We are back. That was the fall that I've been playing on the show for years now with every meeting or talking to the artist who created and sang it. I'm so happy to finally get to rectify that today. We've been left of straight show adjacent as he's worked with our friends Paul Storiali from Gossip Boy and Alan Broca from the Eating Out franchise. He's not only a singer-songwriter, but also an accomplished actor of stage, screen, and television. From being an actual rock and roll superstar in the Vegas production of Rock of Ages to the period piece drama Turn, streaming on Netflix, he has quite a resume to talk about in a brand new single just released in time for the senior class of 2020 called Graduated. So let's welcome for the very first time, Mr. Justin Mortaliti. Justin, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Scott. What's up? How you doing, man? Thanks for having me. I am doing exciting. I'm glad to finally talk to you all these years. I literally played the fall in like 50 interviews back to back in the day when I got it from Gossip uh, Boy people. I mean, that's, you have a great sound, my friend. So thanks for finally meeting you. so much. Yeah, it's great to meet you too. What a small world. And thanks for the, the support on, on the fall. That that's freaking awesome. I'm telling you, I was in love with that song. How you holding up, dude? I mean, doing my research just from learning your craft in New Jersey and London to working in New York, LA and Silicon Valley, your career reads as much like a roadmap. How's it been like to be home for three months? Gotta be a little crazy. <laughs> It is a roadmap. I, the life of the actor and the performer is are, we're nomads. We're constantly moving where we got to move and, you know, can't stay in one place for too long. But this has been actually the beginning of it. Kind of nice. My husband and I we were married in September and both of us went straight into a job after that. He's working on Mrs. Doubtfire, the new musical, and I was doing Pride and Prejudice, a new musical out in uh, California. And we, you know, after the wedding, we had our honeymoon, and then we went our separate ways for a few months, which is the life <laughs> of an actor as well. You're always right. long distance working on different jobs. You know, you got to go where the work is. And so we had just gotten back uh, after the new year here in New Jersey and just gotten back to New York City. And then this happened. So it's kind of, you know, nice to have time together, do some puzzles, <laughs> do a lot of there home improvements go. and painting and tiling we've been meaning to do and tons of yard work. I'm in love with my lawn right now, which makes me feel like my dad and makes me feel old. <laughs> I like but, um, it. Now that's very cool. You know, it was nice. Very nice. And then, you know, dis- no disrespect to everything that's happening with COVID. It was nice for us. We were so fortunate to have it be nice to be at home for, you know, a couple of months. But then of course, you start to get anxious and we're unemployed here and things are scary and the world is wild right now so you know that right. only lasted for so long before everything else set in you know the reality of it all here we very are very true all right well i understand man it's been some weird 2020 time that's for darn sure i always like oh, to God. start with a little background um when you're, it's your first time on the show i saw that you're the middle of three boys and i'm the oldest of three boys and my little brother almost didn't make it between me and my youngest brother. Talk about where you grew up and what kind of a kid were you when you were growing up there? Oh, oh geez. Well, I grew up in Southern New Jersey. I was born in South Philly and uh, both of my parents are from South Philly. So uh, it's full of Italians, <laughs> that, that part of the city. And we lived there until I was about three and then moved to New Jersey, Washington Township, New Jersey, it's in South Jersey. Um, and yeah, I was the middle child of three boys and they gave me hell. Um, 
And I'm sure they would say that I gave them hell because I was just singing all the time. But, you know, truthfully, it was the, <laughs> the, the true story of the middle child, the middle child syndrome. I, I had it to a T. And, um, you know, I was interested <laughs> in performing in art from a really young age. My dad showed us the sound of music when we were kids, and I was the only one who was floored by it, you know. Um, mm. And then he, you know, introduced me to the Phantom of the Opera when I was young, and my other brothers couldn't care less, but, you know, it was kind of our thing. Right. I got really into performing at a young age. And, you know, I was one of those people who was lucky enough to know what I loved and what I wanted to do with my life from the time I was a kid. So I pursued it, you know. There you go. Well, that's fantastic. I love people that follow their dreams from a very early age. I do want to talk about um, coming out a little bit. I want to know when did you first come out to yourself and when did you really first find your tribe in the LGBTQ community since we're in the middle of Pride Month here? Yeah, I love Pride Month. <laughs> I love having this interview in Pride Month. Um, you know, I was a late bloomer. I did not come out to myself. I mean, it was a slow process. There was never a day that I was like, now's the day. It was more of a an emotional <laughs> breakdown right. that I had and I was like, I can't do this anymore. Now is the day, <laughs> you know? But it was a slow, a slow process. But, you know, it was in my mid-20s that I finally was able to really face myself and say, you know, I can't go on like this anymore. And I have to figure myself out to find my happiness, you know. Um, it was hard. It was a very long, difficult journey. Um, thank God for great friends. Uh, and, you know, I made it through. And, you know, I grew up in a very religious uh, Catholic Italian background. So it was, mm. it was difficult. There's a lot of things you're taught or uh, ways of, of thinking that are embedded into you from a young age and, you know, to strip those things away, all these beliefs you thought were right and to realize that they're actually wrong and, you know, heal and, and remove the shame. It's, it's a difficult, difficult journey. And it's one that takes a lot of uh, work, focus, determination, um, and love for yourself, right. you know, which is, uh, so yeah, it was, it was a long process, but here I am. <laughs> there you go. Well, lucky for us, we are, we appreciate everything you're doing. I want to start with your acting career first and we'll finish up with your music. Cause you have this great new song I want to talk about. Then maybe in the middle, we'll yeah. talk about this relationship with that other talented actor you're married to. Uh, let's start <laughs> okay. with theater. Um, oh, actually, well, let's start with television first. Talk about television to me. What kind of a medium was that to work in? You had a role on Numbers. I mean, I had the hugest crush on David Crumholds, and Judd Hirsch <laughs> was one of my favorite movies of all time, Running on Empty. What did you think of yeah. the whole television genre? Do you like working in television, or what's your thoughts on that? I really do. It's it's so different from theater um, in the way that – you know, theater, you rehearse, rehearse, rehearse something, and it's kind of created in the room, and then you have tech, and then you have mm -hmm. dress rehearsals and previews, and you put up the show. And it's more in television specifically, uh, episodic television, they move so quickly. So you kind of have to do the work on your own. You you prepare the character, figure out all about them, and do your best for the audition. And once you land the role, you know, they kind of expect you to come in with your work done, and you'll kind of walk through the blocking and then shoot it. So there's not, not too much rehearsal <laughs> time. Um, it's a speedy process, right. but 
but you know, there's something about filming, you know, a, a, a scene in a hospital where something horrible just happened and you're lying in a hospital bed hooked up to tubes. And, you know, there's something about putting yourself in a place that's so connected to reality that's different from on stage on stage there's kind of the fourth wall and um right there's more a bit of uh imagination and slipping into the world and it's easier to slip into the world on set i found i found it's also distracting because there's cameras all around you and lights and all of that but um i did a horror movie one of the first tv film things i ever did was a horror movie a little independent thing when i was i must have been like 22 and there was a scene where somebody I was standing in the middle of the woods in Maryland at night in the rain at, next to an open grave. And somebody was getting stabbed and they were, the actor was stabbing a watermelon. Um, but just watching this and being in the woods and I'm like, how this is not acting. I'm scared. I'm frightened. This is, this is real <laughs> for me. Um, oh my goodness. And after that experience, I was like, oh yeah, I want to do this sort of work as well. That is awesome. You know, and I, love that. and I, it's it's hard. There's so much competition. I was in LA for a long time, trying to break into TV, and you know, I, I'm lucky enough to be a singer and a dancer, and I do musical theater as well. So I kind of had my hands in all different pots and stirring them all at once yeah. and seeing seeing whichever starts to boil first. You know, uh, you you put the macaroni in it, <laughs> and I, <laughs> you know, slowly built my TV career out there. And I, this last year had my first guest star role, which was a bigger role um, on a TV show uh, for a show called Manhunt, which is a Spectrum original. Um, And it was about the uh, bombings in the uh, Atlanta uh, Olympics back in the nineties. And I was playing the suspect's brother. Um, And, you know, suddenly you find yourself on set with, with Judith light and you're talking to her and, (laughs) Yeah, uh, the woman playing my mother, I had seen her on Girls. She was the mother on Girls. Um, Becky is her name, and suddenly she's my mom. (laughs) So suddenly you're thrust into this world, and you're like, oh, here I am. These are my peers. And there's no time to really be nervous or second-guess yourself or think of yourself as like, oh, God, I've watched these people on TV, and here I am. Because, no, you're (laughs) in the room as an actor on the job, and these are your peers. Um, So it's exciting and thrilling and Really cool. It's a really cool uh, experience working in TV. I love hearing that. And like you said, pilot season in L.A. is such a – they shoot about 8,000 of them and hire 25 of them at the most. So it's a very but, – but they've really started to grow the film scene or the television scene in New York, though, with Madam Secretary and all those other things coming back. How do you feel the television scene is to you in New York? Are you able to find a lot more auditions out there? Yeah, it's funny because I – when I left New York, I graduated college. I was here for a couple of years, and then I left to go to L.A. And there wasn't much TV in New York at all. It was Law and & Order and the soap operas. And I right. headed out to L.A. <laughs> for almost 10 years um, and was trying to break into TV film there. And once I moved back to New York, I've actually done more TV work now in New York than I ever did in L.A., which, you know, go figure. Hmm. But, na- yeah, there's so <laughs> much in that 10 years that now is, is being filmed here and produced here, which is amazing. I love that. Yeah. There is really is some good stuff coming out of New York. Now I'm very excited to see that happening. Let's kind of uh, sashay over here into film a bit. I mean, you got a best actor. I love a sashay. 
Exactly. Every once in a while, I turn gayer than I really ever want to be. But that's okay. It just happens on occasion, so I'm good. <laughs> Let's talk about some of your film work. You got Best Actor at a Film Festival for Dog Tags. Um, talk about film work, what, you, what appeals to you about that, and any memorable time on any of your films. Yeah. Uh, I mean, film work is a whole another medium because like I said, TV moves so quickly, so quickly film. It's a little more preparation. It's a little more time to rehearse and speak with the director and, you know, really get to know your character in the story. Um, so film's a little bit different and then also the same. Um, I, you know, shout back to the story about being in the horror film outside of the open grave. It's, it's just a whole really unique world right. of placing yourself in, in reality of the situation. Um, but I have a story. I <laughs> was doing a horror film called The Collection. And this is like, this is like a warning tale to all the actors out there. Cause you know, no matter <laughs> how up, hard guys. you work and how, how far you get, like you never know what could happen. So I, I was in LA, the Abbey. I don't know if you know it. It's very popular oh, gay bar. Of course. Of course. <laughs> I bartended there for four years. Um, and I had this audition for, the collection, which was a sequel to the collector um, horror movie. And the audition went well. And so I got the call back, I think it was like a month later and, you know, worked really hard on the material and I waited and I finally found out I got the part. And they said, this guy is supposed to be one of the collectors like prize, like trophies. So I'm supposed to be like Mm. tacked up to a wall. And so they were like, you have to be in really, really great shape. So they told me to work out. So I, I had never dieted in my life before. I'm an Italian boy. I love my cheese and my pasta. Um, so I dieted. I was all, you know, greens and chicken for a month and a half, two months. And I was working out every day, like working so hard. And then I flew to Atlanta to shoot the film. Uh, we shot it. It was difficult. And when I get there, the first day, they're like, okay, come over here on set. And they're like, so we figured you you would have to be tacked onto the wall all day long. It was just easier to build you a prosthetic body. And I was like, what? <laughs> so they show me oh this God. prosthetic body that's all bloody and torn apart and jacked. And I just stuck my head through it and did the scene that way. So I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, my God, I just, I just killed myself for two months. They couldn't have told me this earlier, but they didn't know. They built the body in like two days, the special effects department. So, so there was that. Uh, that is so sad and so hilarious at the same time. Oh my goodness! I know. That, I was I was crazy, <laughs> manically laughing about it. So a year later, the film was about to go out, and I I had made really good friends with uh, the girl playing the lead. Her name's Emma Fitzpatrick, and I called her up and I was like, "Hey, the premiere's coming up soon. What are we doing? Should we like go together? What's your plans?" And she's like, "I've have to talk to you. I've been meaning to call you." And I'm like, "Okay, what?" So she says, "There was a screening at like." not Comic-Con, but like Horror-Con, whatever it is, um, right. of the film. She's like, and we got to your parts, and you just, they were, they were cut. And I was like, what do you mean they were cut? And she was like, I turned to the director, and I said, where's Justin? And he said, the prosthetic was just too gory and too much. So they ended up cutting it and reshooting it. Um, and I... No one had called me. No one had told me. I had spent a year telling all of my friends, my hometown, I'm going to be in this movie. It's going to be in the movies. It's my first big break. I'm so excited about it. And then that. Rude. Was oh, my goodness. Distraught. I was distraught. I was, you know, it broke me. And I 
cried for a few days, and I decided, what am I doing? Why am I putting my whole everything into this career when something like this could happen? They could just not care and take it away from you and after all that work and time and hope, you know. And then I booked Rock of Ages like a week later, and, you know. So I said, there you I, go. I think I'm done. I think I'm done with this. And then somebody comes in and says, no, you're not. <laughs> Which you hear that no, a lot, actually, but it, it happened, you know. That is a crazy story. And, yeah, I mean, I've I've heard it many times, people ready to give up, and all of a sudden something drops like that. And let's jump in the theater. I want to go even back a little before Rock of Ages because I'm a huge rent head. So you played Roger, so you are my rock star personally now. Um, talk about <laughs> theater, though. Um, talk. I mean, it's such a demanding role, especially when you're on Broadway, playing how many nights a week that you have to play. Talk about um, those kind of parts and let me know a little rent adventure just because I'm a rent head so bad. Yeah, I mean, I any of us who were kids in the 90s loved and loved theater, loved rent. You know, I grew up, I always say Adam Pascal like, taught me how to sing in my rock voice because I would just sing <laughs> uh, along with him <laughs> with my boombox in my room um, all through, you know, ninth grade. But I, yeah, I love that show. It was a dream role, and I was waiting for the day I could play it, and finally I got to. It was, it was amazing, and I, I remember specifically I was uh, our final dress rehearsal, and I caught a little bit of a cold. And I was trying to sing through it, and I started to lose my voice, and I had a really difficult time with it because I was getting sick and losing my voice, and that's a really hard show to sing and act, right. and there's a lot of yelling and. You know, so that was I couldn't enjoy it as much as I'd like to because <laughs> because uh, it was scary in that way. <laughs> but right. um, I'd love to play the role again one day. My God, it's my favorite. I'm sure. Is. Then you went on to Columbine Project, where you won another award. Such a powerful show. Talk about that experience. Well, that was. I mean, I would say that's one of my most rewarding experiences so far in the business, and I I got to play Dylan Klebold, who's one of the killers in, you know, the Columbine massacre. And it was scary. It was really difficult. There was, I had like monologues that were three pages long that were taken straight from this kid's journal. Um, You know, so I read a lot of books about him and I watched a lot of documentaries and I felt it was a weird time because I felt almost haunted. You know, I would have dreams about this kid I remember very specifically I was having one dream where he was like holding me down and like trying to rape me. Oh and my I woke goodness. up and I was like, I was like, what the fuck was that? That dream. And I think our director, Paul at the time was like, Oh my God, he was trying to enter you. He's trying, he wants you to channel him. And I was like, Oh my God, this is too much. <laughs> ah. Too much. You know, oh cause it's, it's, you know, that's when you're playing someone who lived and did something so awful and evil and is now dead, and you're playing them and really reading, saying their words that they wrote and really trying to get in their head, it's a scary thought if you believe in the other side and good and evil and spirits. And, you know, so that was a very haunting experience, but also super rewarding because I was able to really empathize with this kid and not judge him and you know, when you play someone like that, it's easy to judge what they've done and who they are, and you have to really start to understand them and not judge them in order to be them. And it's my first right. experience with that, and I I really enjoyed it. And the show got to go off Broadway, so we came to New York with it. It started in L.A., so I got to play it here in New York, and it was just the whole thing from top to bottom. It was an incredible experience. Difficult, but incredible. 
Wow. And like I said, award winning for you. So good on you for that. I can imagine. I mean, it's just, I, I don't, I don't know how actors do it because I wear my heart on my sleeve so much to begin with and have to be able to go through all those emotions, good and bad. It would be very hard for me to shake a character. So I don't know how you guys do it. So good on you, man. That's very cool. Yeah. I, t- I mean, I tend to, f- I play a lot of bad guys in my career <laughs> and, and, crazy people sometimes and I think you know people say it's like the opposite of who I am I I think I'm I like to think I'm a pretty kind person I try to be kind with everyone and and show love to everyone but you know we all have darkness and things we struggle with and keeping that shit at bay is hard sometimes I get to channel it and let it out into my work so I suppose maybe that's why (laughs) I'm good at playing the bad guys because I'm (laughs) able to channel all that fury you know, there you go. I like it. Now, uh, Rock of Ages came before Margaritaville, right? Talk about Rock of Ages in Vegas, uh, the original cast of um, Vegas. Talk about that experience, yeah. especially doing those singing skills again. That's got to be kind of a, a real fun joke to really rock out like that. Tell me that experience. Yeah. Well, I mean, in order to get into that experience, I have to explain how I almost lost myself in the musical theater world in order to get to it. And I, I think I was very focused on being, you know, a rock star in my recording career and being a TV film actor because I think, and I figured this out later in life, I associated musical theater with being gay. And because, mm. of course, growing up, I was made fun of called, you know, the F word that I hate. Right. Not use. Um, and told, you know, whispers in, in school about being, me being gay because I had a lot of girlfriends that did musicals. And so... I was running from that. I was running from that like I was running from myself. And it wasn't until I really accepted myself, came out, uh, began to love who I was, that I rediscovered my love for musical theater. And it was through this group called For the Record in L.A. It was a family that I found. And they put up shows um, which are based on directors of movies. So we did a Scorsese show. The first one I did with them was Boogie Nights. It was Paul Thomas Anderson they were honoring. They have a Tarantino show, a John Hughes show. They're amazing mm. and their shows are incredible and they always get the the best voices in these shows. It's crazy, these singers. Um, and so they, they hired me for Boogie Nights. I was doing it this summer that I booked Rock of Ages. And it really reignited my love for musical theater and the people, the, the camaraderie of people that are involved in musical theater. And so, and I had just gone through a really bad breakup too, and that all just saved me and reignited the fire. Mm-hmm. And then I booked Rock of Ages, and of course it was um, the original Las Vegas cast who we were opening the show. So all the original creative team from the the Broadway show came out and worked on opening the show together. Um, that's how I met Kristen Hangy and Kelly Devine, who director and choreographer. Um, right. And Kelly was a choreographer for Margaritaville. Um, and they were also the team that did Clueless the Musical, which I did years later. So that show and meeting them really kind of set my future career in line. And uh, we opened the show in late 2012 in Vegas, and it was the craziest experience of my life. So much fun. The best memories. Um, the hardest work. <laughs> that role. Talk about a heavy role. Playing Drew was a lot. Those vocals are no joke. Um, and to do it in the desert, you know, eight shows a week is a heavy chore. Right. Um, I but I learned a lot about vocal steaming. <laughs> That's for sure. 
I love that story, though, Justin. That's so powerful when you learn life lessons as well as a little bit about yourself while you're doing theater. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Very, very yeah, cool. I think, I think theater saves a lot of people, specifically a lot of, you know, people who felt like outcasts or outsiders a lot of their life. You know, even right. if they hide in the in the in crowd, they still feel like an outsider, which I was able to do well <laughs> a lot of the time. Well no. said. Well said, my friend. And then, like I said, we went on to Margaritaville and to Clueless. And then you were originating Mr. Darcy in Pride and Prejudice. Talk about how that role came about. That's amazing. Yeah. I was actually – it's it's crazy because I, I tend to do pop rock musicals. Um, it's just <laughs> my style. And, and I – you know, of course, I loved Les Mis when I was a kid and I Phantom of the Opera. And I want to do those sorts of things, but I just – I kind of get put in this box of – a rock guy, you know, pop rock mm. guy. And so I was teaching at a school um, on Broadway. It's a uh, summer camp in Harlem um, for kids. And I was teaching there last summer with Rima Webb. She was in Margaritaville with me and she hired me. It's her school that she runs. And um, shout out to Rima. I love Rima. <laughs> and I got the call, Pride and Prejudice. They wanted me to audition for Mr. Darcy. And I was like, wait a minute. They, I do they know? <laughs> I don't think they want me. And I was so busy at the time with the school that I was like, I couldn't be bothered. I was like, they must not want me because I'm, you know, pride, this pride and prejudice, and I'm. And of course, I studied Shakespeare <laughs> in London. Like I did all this acting training, so I would love to do this sort of work. Like, oh my god! And it's been so long since I was allowed the opportunity. But I was like, no, 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 they don't want me. <laughs> my agents were like, yeah, I saw your resume. So they, I guess they do. And I went into the audition. Um, and the director and writer were sitting there, and I even said, I was like, do you want me to sing this like me, or do you want me to sing this like classical musical theater? Like, I'm unsure what to do here, because there were no demos. It's a new musical, you know. Um, right. And they were like, well, we want you to sing something rock from your book, something a little edgy. And I was like, okay, so you want, and they're like, yeah, Mr. Darcy's a rock star. He's a little more, and we're looking for that. Um, and the show itself was a mix. It was a mix of like, pop, rock, classic musical theater sounds. It was really cool what they did with the music. Um, and I got to express myself in my own way. I got to say, you know, in rehearsals, can I, I want to go up here. I want to do this here. Can I change this note here? And I made it as rock and roll as I wanted to, which was really, really cool. Um, and yet the language of the text was still that classic, you know, English language, um, which was really Really Downton Abbey, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. So I had a blast. I really enjoyed it. That is awesome. I love that. Well, let's segue because it's a good time. You are a leading man originating a role here. Your husband is a leading man originating a role in a musical across the way. I talked to Mark when he was on about your guys' meeting and got his side of it for his mess of appendicitis. When I saw your story, I loved your side of it that you had to document that this was the guy you were going to marry. Talk about that. How did that come into your head? Tell me about the courtship from your side of the fence. Yeah, I mean, I – so I had a relationship that ended badly. And, you know, it was one of those things. We lived together. It was – you know, and that was the big heartbreak of my – my big romance heartbreak, you know, in my life. And I was healing right. from that. And in the healing, I kind of dated a lot of monsters and cheaters and – you know, just the awful ones because 
the typical, you think badly of yourself <laughs> and you're right. low, so you date people who treat you badly because that's, you know, the mirror. And, ugh, gays, be aware of that. Don't do it to yourself. <laughs> um, exactly. So, yes, that's, that's, that's what I did. And um, I had come out of uh, – abu- I don't want to say abusive because it wasn't physically abusive, but definitely emotionally abusive relationship. And, mm. you know, was kind of living single. And did not see this coming. And <laughs> so I did a reading of a new musical called Oswald, where I was playing Lee Harvey Oswald, and the girl playing my wife, Becca Falconberry. Uh, we hit it off. You know, we worked for two weeks together doing this reading and then had one night out for drinks. We didn't really know each other that well. But uh, she contacted me and was like, I have this friend. <laughs> I think you two would really hit it off. And I was like, <laughs> all right, bring him on, you know. It was her best friend. And I'm like, if you you know, it's your best friend and you want to hook him up with me. Like, that's a nice compliment. And <laughs> yeah, sure. Right. But I was going back, to, I was heading back to Vegas because they were closing Rock of Ages at the Venetian and reopening it at the Rio. And they wanted me to come for four months to do that. So I was like, you know, we can maybe text and FaceTime. And so we started doing that and he was just blowing my socks off. You know, we were really getting to know each other without physically being together. And it was something I had never done. And the, crazy thing is that we were able to connect on such a deeper emotional level without the physical stuff in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful. It felt like magic. And before I had even met him, cause he was then was like, I got to come out there. I got to plan. That's when the whole appendicitis happened. But before I even met him, I was sitting with my roommate at the time, uh, Becca, a different Becca, Becca Cody. And we we're sitting on the couch watching some, probably trash reality show drinking drinking wine <laughs> i was like pause it and i as paused, we do. She paused it and i was like as we do you know i said I, I, ha- I just have to say this i was like i feel like this is my guy i feel like this is the guy i'm going to marry and i haven't even met him yet and that makes me feel crazy but i just have to <laughs> say it out loud to you because when it happens i'm going to say remember that moment and she was like okay and we unpaused the tv and continued watching the Bachelor or Vanderpump Rules, whatever it was. <laughs> there you go. And, you know, he came out and I met him and he stayed at the house with us. And she was like, holy shit, Justin. And I was like, I know, I know. And it just was really a true, I mean, if you believe in fate or meant to be, I don't, I don't know. I didn't know if I believed in that. I'm a romantic at heart, so maybe I did. But like, shit, I, this was it. This was it. Nice. That's amazing. You know, here we are. <laughs> you trained them so well because I asked him, we're going to do five questions with you later on. And one of my five questions with him was a favorite comfort food. And he said spaghetti with gravy. And I was like, that guy's dating an Italian. That's all there is to it. Someone's trained him Oh, you well. know I trained his British ass well. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's it. been the, that's the battle of my life is gravy or sauce. And, you know, if anyone knows Italians, especially in Jersey, it's a, it's a fight to the finish and it is gravy because it has meatballs. If it doesn't have meatballs and sausage, then it is marinara. There or marinara. You go. Oh my God. I love that. I <laughs> thought that was so great and awesome. All right. Well, we're going to transition yeah. back to music, but before we do, I want to get to it now. So I don't forget it later. The two of you together are putting on some amazing teaching. You were talking about teaching earlier in the interview. You guys have a workshop. that's already sold out. 
uh, the first one. You have another one coming in July. Let's take a couple seconds and talk about that now before we go into your music. Um, tell about the yep. impetus of that, and uh, is there still spots left because you sold out so quickly in June? Yeah. Well, the the short answer for that is that there's only a couple spots left in July, but we're going to announce soon. I guess I'm announcing now to your listeners that we're doing another week in August, so we will be having another one. Um, and it came from a, two of my best friends that I grew up with, Gia and Genevieve. They're moms. They live in Jersey. Uh, they have kids. They're moms. They have kids, of course. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> when we moved <laughs> When we moved back to Jersey, I was able to really, you know, reconnect with them. I mean, we never lost touch, but reconnect with them in a, in a real way. I'd been in L.A. and then Vegas for so long and in the city, you might as well be in another country. But then moving to Jersey, right. we were able to see each other more. And, you know, they were such a big help with our wedding. They were in, they were groomsmaids for me in my wedding party. Just greatest friends. And they were talking about the kids, you know, summers being canceled. And the one was doing Frozen Junior and she was playing – uh, not Elsa. Who's the other one? Anna? Is that the other one? <laughs> she was really disappointed. And Mark and I got to talking. We were like, what if we do some sort of, like, camp for the kids whose, like, theater camps have been canceled in the summer? Like, a week long, two hours a day, we get together. They can meet kids from all over the world. We'll teach them acting and singing and dancing. And so we are like, all right, this is a crazy idea, but let's try. And we made a little video and put it out. And we were like, we'll see what response we get. And then we ended up sold, selling out. And the week was hard. It took a lot of work and planning, and but it was so rewarding, and the kids loved it. And, you know, it was just – it was really a beautiful thing. And so we were like, we have to do another week. Um, and now we're doing two weeks, so it's going to be all summer. There you go. Well, you're both talented as hell, so they are lucky to have you. And thanks so much for giving back like that. I just think it's amazing when we take this time where – we're kind of stuck in a holding pattern and finding some creative ways to do it. So thanks to both of you for that. Yeah. For sure. Let's move on to music. We'll finish up with music here. I mean, we've talked about this amazing musical theater that you've done, but you've done everything from boy band to solo to pop duo back <laughs> to Soho. Let's talk about this musical adventure of yours. Um, yeah. What, what do you enjoy most about recording and just singing in general? Singing in general, I view as therapy. It's kind of when my brothers would make fun of me, we'd get in fights, and I was, you know, frustrated little kid. I would go in my room, turn up the radio, and and sing, and you know, belt sing. And it was kind of I always felt better afterwards. And you know, I did it into my adult life. I would all my roommates I ever have had have been like, oh my god, Justin, because I lock myself in my room, turn up the radio, and I just sing. Um, and it's sort of, you know, an expression of your inner, whatever you're going through inside, you let it out on breath, you know, you let it out on sound and singing is therapeutic for me in that way. It always makes me feel good. Um, there's been times in quarantine, I'm like, I got to go sing. <laughs> and, I love that. You know, writing, writing was something I started when I was young, when I was, I recently, uh, brought, well, when we got our house in Jersey, I brought all the stuff from my parents' house up to here and all my you know, folders and papers from when I was a kid. I was writing, doing, writing stories and songs when I was like eight, you know, just something I always loved to do. Um, and then I got into a boy band on chance when I was teen. Um, I auditioned at a mall for this, remember Star Search back in like the 80s? Do you remember that show? Sure. I'm old, unfortunately, Justin, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> with, with Ed McMahon. 
Um, so the, the producer of Star Search was doing a new, like, reboot of it called Destination Stardom. This is a while back. This is the late 90s. Right. And I um, auditioned for it at a mall. And he came up to me and he was like, okay, we're doing this show, but we're also putting together a boy band and we think you're perfect. And the next two days later, I was on a flight to Miami to record a demo with them. And I was like, oh, this is it. You know, this is, <laughs> and this is at the height of Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. I was like, oh, my God, I've been discovered. <laughs> and it was a wild ride for a couple of years. We we went to Germany and we recorded our demo and we shot a music video and the truth is we kind of hit the tail end of the boy band craze. And so it just never happened, but it was my first experience being in a studio and recording in that way. And I loved it. I loved it. Um, side note, I met Beyonce in Germany. <laughs> we were wait a second. Wait a second. Pull the curtain back on that one. What? Talk to me. Yeah. I mean, I say met, but like, it was like a high. We were, we were in the recording <laughs> studio and it was connected to like MTV Germany. It was in Cologne and it was Destiny's Child back when there was four members and they were coming out of the studio and we were going in and we were like eye connection right in front of each other. Hi. Hi. It was like very, very interesting. Amazing. Um, Amazing. And, yeah. So that was really cool. And, you know, the boy band kind of lit the fire in me for recording. And after that, I did all that I could, um, playing out, writing, releasing, recording music, trying to score that record deal. I met a girl named Shannon Hunt when I was working at the Abbey in L.A., and she was a songwriter as well. We started writing together, and we created a duo called Steffi and Pepper. And it was kind of comedy pop because we did a song called Big Hair and silly video and then we did like you know we did more serious music as well but we did a couple music videos together and put out some tunes and then when I left LA I kind of went back to my solo roots I put an EP out when I was in Vegas called the Prince of April um my first EP I put out years before that's what the fall was on uh the song you were speaking of earlier Check the and, music video. Thank you very much. I think that's why I played it 50 times. But yeah, I I heard the song for Gossip Boy. Then I watched the video. It's like, who is that guy riding around on the floor there? And why do I want? <laughs> why do I want to play this song so much? <laughs> well, thank you. I shot that video on my iPhone on a hot day in LA, and I was just like, I want to put a video out for this song. I was like, I have no money, no budget. I need to do a video, so I'm just gonna shoot a bunch of footage around the apartment and edit it together and. I did, and it turned out well. So that was nice. Yeah, that um, was fun. I liked it. <laughs> thank you. But, you know, I, I for years, and I got really close at certain times, really close to that record deal. And ultimately, I realized this hustle is just too hard. I'm going to put all my focus into my acting work, into TV, film, musical theater, and I'm going to let this pipe dream set sail. You know, once you hit a certain – once you hit your 30s, and you're kind of like – it's harder and harder to get signed. And I was like, this is, I gave it my all and it just didn't happen. But I channeled all my writing into writing a musical and I have written a musical called the ladies man with a lot of my music and some of the music I wrote with Shannon and some of her music as well. And it's kind of about my experience growing up in a extremely religious Italian Catholic family in Jersey and coming out and, you know, escaping the shame 
and finding yourself and the importance of friends and family and love. So I'm kind of putting my focus into that right now and trying to get, you know, some producers, some investors, trying to get that show on its feet. But in quarantine, (laughs) I decided to come out of retirement uh, from my recording artist career and put out one more single for the class of 2020. So that's what I did. I've been working on it for the last two months, and that's what I did this week, released it. It is so good. I love the track, and we're going to play it out to it in just a couple minutes here. But it's it's fun. It's bouncy. The lyrics are great for the class of 2020. And, and I'm really glad you did it. I mean, music business, I think you were smart. Music business has changed so much just in the five years since you're doing everything is now single and streaming, and you have to do 8,000 streams to get two pennies or something. So it's such yeah. a hard thing. Um, I think I think you made a smart choice there, but the music is a lot of fun. Talk about uh, where all this inspiration came from and why uh, why graduation. Well, I have two cousins, Maria and Maya. They're both seniors this year, and you know when shit started getting real and with the pandemic and everything started getting canceled, I was texting them and they were like, "Yeah, prom's canceled. We don't know if it's going to be rescheduled." And I just thought back to our my high school, like the senior prom. Mm-hmm graduation, the high school, the musical that we did, like all that whole time in my life is some of the best memories of my life. I had the best time. And I was like, God, there, that we ha- we all have an anthem, like a, a song for our graduation that we, ours was that Green Day one. I hope you have the time of your life. Remember that song? <laughs> of course. You know, everyone has that song. And I was like, I want to create something specific for them. That's about what they're going through. That's about this time. That's about like, all of their memories going to waste. And I actually dreamed the lyric. I was asleep and I woke up and I was like, <laughs> and I grabbed my voice notes. And I was like, graduated. Why am I saying grad- graduated? And I was like, oh shit. Okay. <laughs> so I started writing it and it just turned out way better than I ever imagined. I was going to just record this song for my cousins and their friends. And it came out really great. And I decided to shoot a video. I had them and their friends send me footage of hanging out, photos of them hanging out, and I kind of intercut it with my own video that I filmed in quarantine at our house. I made a musical music video for it. Just to, you know, when you hear that song, right, the song that is your graduation anthem, it takes you back. You like, for me, I like that feeling of nostalgia of like the late 90s and like the colors that surround that time in my life and my memories, you know, it all is sparked and comes to life and it just feels good and happy and like home. And I wanted them to have a song that in the future can give them that feeling, you know, and remind them of this time. And the fact that, you know, kind of let them throw their fists in the air and say, despite all of this, there's camaraderie in the class of 2020 and we're going to be stronger than all of you. And we're going to go out there into the real world and kill it. And I wanted to inspire them with that. And so I I hope that I did. And unfortunately, like you were saying in the music industry, to get things out there is difficult. And until a song goes viral, uh, it's hard to get it out there for everyone to hear and get it on the radio. And I'm doing everything I can to get this song, you know, to the kids. Well, we are going to share it and we'll catch a little fire here. I joined TikTok. (laughs) Because... Oh and my I have no god, idea what I'm, I'm doing. I have like 12 followers. It's <laughs> pathetic, but I 
I was like, okay, I, what do I do? And my manager was like, well, you could join TikTok because the kids love that and you can get the song on there and get it to them that way. And I was like, oh, okay. So <laughs> I'm now on TikTok trying to figure it out with 12 followers. It's, <laughs> I'm doing You are math. the man. You know? You're braver than I. <laughs> I've done this show for five years, Justin. I say I have the face for radio. I hate video, and that's what everyone's doing these days. But you're a better man than I and a much more handsome man than I. So TikTok is the way to go. Good on you, dude. That's awesome. (laughs) Thank you. It's very scary. (laughs) (laughs) Well, very, very cool, guys. We're going to play out of them in a second. Justin, I want to please let all my listeners know where they can find you on the social media machines and uh, website. Yes. Please follow me on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram handle is just Mort, J U S T M O R T. That's also my Twitter handle, but I'm not on Twitter as much. Um, Facebook page, Justin Mortaliti. My last name's M O R T E L L I T I. I have a website, justinmortaliti.com. And on TikTok, Somebody stole Just Mort, so I didn't get that. So <laughs> I did I Am How Just rude. Mort. I know, so rude. I Am Just Mort. There you go. <laughs> so I Am Just Mort. Just- and uh, on YouTube, you can catch all of my all of my music videos that I've done, including The Fall and Graduated. And all the music's available on all platforms, iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, Apple Music, anything. Check it out. There you go. And support our artists in these times, guys. They're not working right now. Be sure to go out and purchase it. Don't just listen to it on YouTube. Purchase the music for yourself. Share it with your graduates and your cousins and your aunts and uncles' kids that are uh, graduating. Be sure to share them with Justin Morley. It's been a pleasure having you on the show, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. You're awesome. And you know what? You just said it. The main thing is please share the song with any graduates you know because that was the point. And purpose of it was to get it to these kids. So if you know anyone who's graduating in 2020, give them the song and say, you're welcome. <laughs> there you go. Very well said. All right. Well, guys, we're going to play out to graduation right now. The brand new single from Justin. So you're, go ahead and take a listen to that. Justin, stay in the line for me. Guys, I'll be back yeah. in just a little bit. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight radio network. We are graduation. I am the class of 2020. We all know what that means, and honey, you wouldn't believe what we've been through. Oh no. I threw away my cap and gown, but nobody down there could ever steal my crown. Cause we are the ones who really know how to get down, yeah. Cause we. We deserve some fun Am I graduating?